Rod, I'm pretty sure I hear this song in my sleep um, because I've heard it about a hundred and I don't know, 50 times, probably more than that, probably 200 plus because when I go to edit, I actually edit it. So I get to listen to that multiple times. And um, I wish I knew who the artist was. It's open source music and I don't even know who it is, but it's catchy. And when I hear it, it's like perks my ears up. And sometimes I'll accidentally hit uh, my podcast on my phone and it plays through my car. And I'm like, oh, wait, there, wait, that's me. That's so weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> welcome to the 87th episode of the Trauma-Informed Educators Network podcast. Um, I'm looking forward to tonight, mainly because the guest is one of my friends. And last time uh, she was on here and another of her colleagues, we had so much fun. I'm just I'm just like giddy um, that we get to do this again. It's pretty awesome. So um, before we get started, I do want to let you all know that, um, you know, it's coming up and I want to tell you on the front end, um, because I decided, you know what, we have a lot of people that listen to the podcast and we want to get as many fellow disruptors to our virtual conference. So why not give all the podcast listeners a discount? Um, because we're not, I promise you, uh, tonight's guest will tell you putting on conferences does not get anyone rich. Matter of fact, sometimes it makes us poor, but we are not, I'm not making, I'm not making bundles of money off the, off the, off the, uh, conference. It literally is just because we're passionate about getting this work and getting people connected, um, around trauma informed education. So if you want to go to the trauma informed educators network, um, conference, which is June 22nd and 23rd, it is virtual this year. You can actually go to www.tienetwork.org right there. If you're looking, if you're listening, you heard the website. You can go under, um, oh man, I don't remember the tab, but it's not resources. It's the other one. And you can click the conference, go to Eventbrite, and you can put in T-I-E-N podcast, all lowercase letters in the promo code and you will get 20% off. It makes it like a hundred and I think it's like 160 something dollars. Mm -hmm. It is not expensive, you all. And in that conference, we're going to have Dr. Lori Desitels, who was at the ATN last year and who I just got to hear again a couple weeks ago. We're going to have Dr. Ricky Gibbs, a great, for matter of fact, Dr. Gibbs, just this week, I get a call and he's like, hey, I'm literally in your neighborhood. And I'm like, well, you literally better stop by. Um, so he stopped by the house. We got to chat and, uh, got to see his, him, him and his fancy suit. You know, he always wears suits. If you know, Dr. Gibbs, he did not have his fancy studded, um, shoes on, but he was looking sharp nonetheless, but he's going to come and get you fired up as the intro. And then our closing keynote is Robin Kogan, the relentless school nurse who, um, has so much to share. Her experience is remarkable. Um, and, uh, I, I can't wait for you to hear her. Plus, we have 25 sessions. Um, tonight's guest is one of those sessions. Um, but we have 25 sessions. All will be recorded and you will get the recordings not to download, but to view for a period of time after the conference. Um, and at the end of the day, you all, we're still going to do our little home groups. So you're going to get to join the same group of people four times over the course of two days to get to know each other, to build connections, to build your network. Um, and to have a group of people that you can connect to. And, and when we go to different conferences, we're going to talk about another one that we love. Um, when you go, you get to meet them. And then it's like a little family reunion. Um, and in, in our case, it's where disruptors unite. So if you want to come to the, to the conference, please use that promo code of T-I-E-N podcast. And that is all lowercase. And that will get you 20, uh, 20% off the podcast. All right. Whew, that was a lot. So I'm really excited. Oh, thank you, Megan. Megan uh, put the uh, link in in the uh, in the comments on Facebook. The the backslash is it's network backslash T-I-E-N conference. That'll get you there. Look at this. I mean, our friends are amazing, Ginger. <laughs> Oh, I know. And Meg is one of what Meg is actually working with the network um, and bringing her Bala Viz X. I can't believe I said it right. I think I did. Um, two people across the country. And we'll talk about that uh, at another time. But anyway, 
Here we are with tonight's guest, Ginger Healy, MSW, LCSW. I love when we have clinical social workers and they get all these awesome letters behind their name. But she's worked for almost 30 years. Of, she has 30 years of field experience. Ginger has worked as a child abuse investigator, hospital social worker, and a school therapist. She spent 15 years as a social service, social service supervisor at an international adoption agency and was able to travel to provide support for, uh, for orphanages all over the world. This job continues to inform her work at attachment and trauma needs in children. She's currently the director of programs at the ATN, which is Attachment and Trauma Network, great friends of ours. She co-anchors the podcast Regulated and Relational and speaks nationwide on trauma-informed schools, therapeutic parenting, and community engagement. She's also the author of Regulation and Co-Regulation, Accessible Neuroscience that Brings Calm into the Classroom, She's married and has four children, her greatest teachers about developmental trauma and special needs. Welcome, Ginger. How in the world are you? And I can't <laughs> wait to talk about this book. So how are you? I'm so happy to be here. This is just fun and exciting. And I'm just happy to be here. I, and I'm glad you're here. You know, anytime we get to hang out and chat is a good time, <laughs> right? And we've, we've hung out and chatted literally all over the place. Yeah, yeah, we've hit a few states. We need to start marking our map. There you go. And you came to Nashville last year for the Trauma Informed Educators Network conference. And then, hey, I was in uh, Houston again for the ATN conference. And boy, was that rejuvenating and filled my cup to the brim. Matter of fact, it was overflowing. And um, I hope that that experience and joy overflowed to others because um, being around like-minded people is truly something we all need to experience. Amen. So let's get into this. So you, um, you know, you're like, hey, I'm just going to write a book. Uh, and boy, <laughs> is this book amazing, right? I mean, it, it's only been out for a short period of time. And you're like, hold on a minute. Uh, sold out. We got to get more. So tell us a little bit about regulation and co-regulation. I'm not going to say the whole title, but yeah. tell us about it. How did it come about? Like, it's there it is. The name is kind of long, but the book is kind of short, which is also I'm pretty proud of because I know that educators do not have time to read a thick book. I don't have, nobody has time for that, right? And so it's it's accessible in so many ways because it's just easy. You can pick it up and put it down and go back to it. And, and that was the whole goal to make it really easy, kind of like a 101. Dr. Delahook called it like the guidebook, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's a great, that's, that's exactly what I was going for. So yeah, so it is out, it is doing really well. It hit number one in educational theory and emotional, um, mental health. And what was the third one? Social science, something or other. It just took off. So I'm just so proud because it's needed and it's wanted and it's being well received. And, and that was the goal. Um, seems like every time I speak, probably every time you speak, sometimes we start to feel like we're saying the same things over again. And people, I always worry that people are like enough already. We've heard it already, but actually no, every time I speak, I know the same with you. People are like, where have you been? I need more. Talk to me about this. And so I just, I knew that the book would resonate because of that response, wherever we go, teachers, educators are hungry for support and for resources and validation and easy, accessible strategies. And so that's what this is. And, you know, I've talked about this work for a long time and it doesn't matter how many times I say it or I hear it practicing it is never easy. And so you can never hear it enough. You can never read enough about it and you can never practice it enough, right? Because life comes at us in a variety of ways. And I know we have friends going through things right now and we are all communicating with them like, Hey, we've got your back. And that, that, that relationship is the key. But I know that we feel that way, but there's times in which I have to pause ginger and go with, I have a 12 year old, right? Um, 
matter of fact, about an hour ago, I was like, man, I can, f- there ain't, there is no co-regulation going on right now. Matter of fact, <laughs> co-disregulation because one more, one more time, one more time. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait a minute, hold on a minute. We're getting ready to leave town tomorrow. I know he's yeah. a little anxious. We've never been to where yeah. we're going and I have to talk myself through it. So you're so right. And yeah. For thus, for those of us who do talk about these things all the time, it's always good. It's yeah. always good to to read more, listen more, dig in more. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I. It's funny that I was laughing because that has been my experience this week. Like this house has been so dysregulated, and it's like, what's going on? Well, it's May. Mm. It's end of school year. I mean, it's so many things. And, and if it's not May, it's something else. Like there's never just calm and peace and, and life shouldn't be that way. It's not going to be that way. So that's not the goal. The goal is to manage it, to modulate it, to work together, to have support and resources, because it's never going to be like perfect and it, and it shouldn't be. So it's just that whole shifting of expectations in our home in the classroom and wherever that child is everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. But Ginger, I saw on Instagram, like there's a lot of people that live like the perfect life and nothing ever happens and they're always regulated and everything's great. and Their food looks good. It's and, not, the- yeah. <laughs> and it's not the reality. Right. And I love that you're candid and, and saying, listen, even my house right now in May, oh. and, you know, my child, he, he ended school. He didn't go to school yesterday. Last day was Tuesday. Um, and yesterday it wasn't even three hours. I heard, Oh, I'm so bored. And I thought, you've you've been looking forward to this day. And he's like, oh man, I'm I'm so bored. Today he actually went and volunteered at the school to help his teachers um get it the, the there was a, there was a gathering of people and he was like, Can I go? And I was like, sure. So he went and yeah. helped his teachers clean their rooms and wash their cars. And I'm like, but he again, he needs, he's wanting that connection. He's, he's like, Oh man, I just don't want to be at home. And I, I feel that in this anxiousness that he's feeling Mm -hmm. right now is that he doesn't have his little network of friends and people and, um, or that structure and that routine and that predictability. And once that goes, it just sends us all into like this feeling of danger or perceived unsafety it's Mm -hmm. like we just it immediately fires our nervous system Mm -hmm. immediately Mm -hmm. well so tell us a little bit about the book so tell us how did it come about and you know what was the process how did you narrow things down to put in a book especially when it's it is so tangible for for a reader for an educator for a parent it doesn't even have to be an educator to just grab it and go oh man i'm gonna get some how did it how did it come about yeah it is for everybody. I'll say that right off the bat, because a lot of this comes from me as a parent who has been doing this work in the home, in the therapy office, in the school. So yeah, it is for everybody. Well, okay. So big shout out to the National Center for Youth Issues, because they are the publisher and they really um, were the brains behind this series that they have called the 15 minute focus series. So they're, they're just so smart because they, you know, work in the schools and they figured out this um, framework for these books that they need to be short and sweet and succinct and succinct and get to the meat of it and get to the heart of it. And I love this um, framework that they have of questions and strategies and content and stories. It's just so digestible. So I got to give all that credit to them. Once they gave me that template, I was like, oh, I, you know, I'm all in. And so originally when I went to them, I had felt inspired, prompted, pushed to write a children's book for children who experienced something scary. It could be anything. Um, I, it came to me after a school shooting. And so that was where I came from was just this deep desire to immediately intervene in a very broad way for all children with a story, a story of what to do now of how to heal. But um, 
they National Center for Youth Issues said it's a great idea, but I think what we need first is to help the educators and then the educators can help the children. And I was like, oh my gosh, hello, you're right. <laughs> I have just been a child therapist for so long that I was like, I want to get to the kids and, and get them this story. But it was just smart of them to say, let's get to the educators first, who then can get to the kids. And so that's what this book is. It's a love letter to educators saying, we see you, we hear you, and here is what will help you um, ongoing with these supports and resources and validation and all of the above. So that was kind of the brainchild. And as far as, you know, just the topic of regulation and co-regulation, that's where it all starts. Nothing else can happen without that. That is the foundation. Until a child feels safe, is connected to a, you know, committed, safe, attuned adult who can co-regulate with them, then they can learn, but it has to go in that order. The learning, the curriculum, the content. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, I know, but it, it comes after the safety and after, you know, and we say regulation, but when I say regulation, I mean co-regulation because a child cannot self-regulate for years, if, if not ever. You have to be co-regulated a million times before that self-regulation develops. And even when you have regulation skills, it is still much more efficient, better, stronger, powerful, more impactful to co-regulate. We know this as adults. You and I have been talking about our friends and the power of the connection we have. We're two functioning adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's almost laughable on some levels. Almost. <laughs> But we need each other. We need our friends. We need co-regulation. So if we need that as functioning adults, children, there's never not a good time to co-regulate. There's never not a time that we don't need it. The need never ends until the day we die. And so this whole book is just that shift hopefully that's already been made of the importance of regulation and co-regulation before anything else and then once that's into place then we see the brain light up then we see curriculum and content being absorbed then we see test scores rise and on and on and and things even more important than inside the classroom life and survival and depression alleviation and suicidal ideation all these things that to me are paramount that's what this is hitting connection we don't heal in isolation so you know stop me at some point because you know i will just preach until i run out of breath on this hey i'm over here in the choir and i'm just i'm just <laughs> raising you the hallelujahs because it's true you know and it's it's interesting ginger just this last few weeks um just a couple weeks ago i was at the nashville soccer club um soccer game and um, I, I went out to, to refill my drink and, um, ran into a friend and we chatted for a while. I hadn't seen him in for a long time. He is an adoptive father, um, of four and then has two, uh, of his own birth children. And we were just chatting and catching up and kids are in high school and all this. And I asked how his oldest was doing. And he said, you know what? He's doing amazing. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you why I realized his struggle was about me. He's like, I would come home from work and I would be all, I'd be all stressed and overwhelmed and I would be popping off. And then I was like, oh my goodness, like that's it. And he, he is not in education. He is not, he's in the music industry. It was powerful to me to go, this is how, this is the work. Yeah. I, I mean, and work. it was through some processes that he identified And then just this week, I'm talking to a friend and He's going through a lot with his child. And, and all I said was, you just have to keep showing up and you just have to keep, you got to actually say or put in writing, I love you. And in the words of James Moffat, I love you and there's nothing you can do about nothing it. Nothing right? you can do about it. And, and, and yep. it, it is this continually showing up. But Ginger, I, I you're so right in that it's about us. 
Yeah. All of this work is yeah. about us. It's about the adult understanding that we can't weaponize um, de-escalation and self-regulation to have kids. You're supposed to be self-regulating. No. It's about us and modeling yeah. and showing and showing up and continuing to show up and knowing we can't show up and step out. Right. Yeah. It's these yeah. processes. Yeah. Yeah. Because like we said at the beginning, we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. So it's actually even more important to show and model your mistakes and how to repair them. That apology is everything because if we expect these kids, you know, first of all, to be perfect, to follow the directions, to do everything. We're setting them up for behavior, for failure. We're shaming them for being human. And we are totally, you know, hypocritical in our efforts to heal them because we are still on the path. So we have to model that. I just, this week, it's so interesting. You keep hitting on things that are just resonating in my own home because uh my son my oldest son is adopted and and we he he came to me this week and i was listening i thought and validating and all that and finally he said mom i just i just need you to tell me you what did he say i just need you to tell me when i'm doing a good job he just needed to be seen and heard because he was feeling from all, you know, from work, from school, from wherever that he, they were correcting him, but all he heard was the things that he was failing at. He needed to hear what he was doing well at. He was already telling himself all the things he was doing bad. He mm -hmm. lives in that. He swims mm -hmm. in that. We all do. He didn't need that. He needed me, and I'm so grateful that he finally basically said, Mom, here is what, and I went, oh my gosh, you know, I preach this all day, but I did not hear what you said at first. I did not recognize what you needed, so, and then I was like attuned, you know, so I was grateful for that reminder, like, I got to be present. I have got to put down the distractions, and 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 I got to be with my kid in all forms completely attuned so that I respond to that need that he so desperately needed. So I had a lot of apologizing to do, which I have always had and always will. But um, I mean, at the end of that conversation, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, the barriers were gone and the dysregulation was gone. And it was, it was me. It's exactly what you said. It was me that had to shift my expectations change you know my response it was me that had to do the changing and once i did you know he was regulated but you i know, was it, making it worse until i had that come to jesus moment yeah interesting enough um i hope nobody from my child's previous school is listening because then I'm, I'm about to give them a heads up but last year my child he, he was in fifth grade and it was an awful year it was an awful year for him he he felt that same way that only thing that was identified especially at school was what he was doing wrong he struggled uh all year he struggled with emotional regulation he struggled with grades he struggled with academics never before have we experienced this with my child he always was very motivated to just go to school and yet this year it all changed he mm was thriving. He was motivated to go to school. He was excited to see his friends. He was excited to be at school. And we started talking. And it was the way in which the school managed children's behavior. Mm. And in his elementary school, um, there was a lot of negative focus. Um, there was a lot of correct, cor uh, correcting behavior. And Correct, look the way they handled mistakes academically and, and socially and emotionally and um, they used um, uh, they used practices that were shaming and so I literally sat down this week and I drafted a letter my child hasn't gone there in a year 
We also found out there was a teacher that was uh, making inappropriate jokes towards kids. There's just a lot mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. And this came from conversations. And I've drafted a letter, not because I want anybody to be in trouble, not because of anything other than yeah. I want you to hear my son's voice. I want you to know what he felt. And that, again, is on the adult. How do we yeah. get it has to be from our kids sharing their perspective, sharing their voice and adults being willing to hear it. Yes. Right. And yes. And I yeah. will tell you, I, I've learned quickly that we have to do our own work. And I know this is part of your book, too, especially with that yeah. co-regulation. We have to know our own nervous systems. We have to know when a kid is advocating and, and this. Oh, the word I, I just cringe, Ginger. Respect. Yeah. Ugh. Like, yeah. yes, I teach my son to advocate respectfully. Right. But it may come across that someone who doesn't have a child who can advocate for themselves as yeah. disrespectful simply because the child just said what they thought yeah. in a way that expressed their own feelings, right? Mm-hmm. And man, is that such a ingrained process within so many schools where co-regulation can't happen, self-regulation can't happen, because there's this barrier of I'm yes. an adult, you're a child, you respect me, you do as I told, as I tell you to do. Yeah. I can yell and scream and holler, but if you respond, you're going to get it. And that's really what your book is digging into is this yeah. idea of like, no, 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 no. We all have to recognize our human selves and we all have to be responsible for ourselves. But in order for children to be responsible for themselves, they have to see it from the adults in their lives. Yes. Right. Amen. And listen, there are going to be kids that are easier for us than other kids and kids that maybe are, I jive with better than you do because we all have different triggers, different histories, different issues. Our senses come into play, you know, a million things. And so if we know ourselves and our triggers, our weakness, what activates us, then we can ask, you know, for help. Like I'm not, it's, I'm just, it's not working with this kid. I just can't get through, or I can't have the patience that I need. I need you to cover for him. I need somebody else to step in. I got to walk away. You know, we can do the social mapping where we make sure every kid in the school has somebody and it doesn't have to be me for everybody. Some of us want to rescue, want to help, want to, we can't. It's just, you know, physically not possible. It's not emotional. We should not be burning out. There are just ways to alleviate burnout. There are ways to reach every kid through everybody in the building and not even in the building, bus drivers, right? I mean, lunch staff, there is so many people that these kids can interact with that can look them in the eye, give them a fist bump and say, I am so glad you are here today. I missed you yesterday. I noticed you were gone. And if for whatever reason, that kid just isn't working for me, that's okay. Somebody needs to, you know, we need to make sure all the kids are covered, but it is, it is about for a lot of people, it's the disrespect thing. For a lot of people, it's lying. There are just certain things that just, for whatever reason, push your buttons, but you have to know what they are. And you cannot be like, well, that's just, you know, you have to be willing to look at that and be vulnerable enough to understand that's, that's your thing. It's, it's not the kids, you know? And I think, too, in those moments, being honest with kids. I used to, when I was a principal, kids would come in and I would say, listen, right now, I am so angry or frustrated. I need a minute. So I need a minute. You know where my fidgets are. You know where my calm toys are. You know, you can sit down. You can go look at the lizard. You could do whatever it is that you want that's safe. But right now, I need a minute. Like, I have to get my... That is okay. I do yes. it with my son as well. Yes. yes. And 
it's it's more than okay. It gives them permission Absolutely. to feel what they feel. Because this is not about stopping the feelings. It's not about calm down, stop doing that. It's about what is happening? Why did that happen? Let's get to the bottom of it. And so that we can navigate it. We are not squashing feelings. We are not calming down. We're not. We are feeling what we are feeling and because we are human. And because of that, we are figuring out how to manage and modulate and navigate all that. And you don't have to do it alone. You shouldn't have to do it alone. You know, I don't I, I don't have this person's name. And if you're listening on the podcast, I think this is a really important um, comment uh, from one of the Facebook users that's listening live. They said it's also helps to build emotional vocabulary and normalize it. I agree with that. And I will tell you, as an elementary school principal, I knew kids came with four emotions, happy, mad, sad, and hungry. That was it. So they could be frustrated. They could be irritated. And it was, I'm mad. They didn't have the vocabulary to express what it is that they're feeling. And a, a lot of you know when you hear me speak, I talk about the Positive Childhood Experiences study from Dr. Bethel and Dr. Sege. And the one thing that they studied were children were able to express their emotions to their family, right? That's so important that we help, right? Not we as teachers, but we as parents, we as teachers, we as community members, I don't care where you are, that we give kids the 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 verbal vocabulary, the tool to say, I'm really irritated right yeah. now and I need a minute or yeah. what you're doing right now is frustrating me. Yeah. And then the adult to be in that co-regulation yeah. space of going, I hear you. I'm going to step back when you're ready. Yeah. Give me thumbs up. And Ginger, these are skills, right? Yeah. This isn't yeah. just like do it as for an adult. This is a muscle oh, yeah. that we have to flex. That's often. exactly right. It's, it's, it's built, it's scaffolded, it's created. We aren't born resilient. We aren't born gritty. We shouldn't even jump to grit and expect a child to persevere. That is so shaming. We have to build it and we build it through relationship and we build it through repetition. And and naming those emotions and giving that vocabulary, I bet you 10 bucks that was Jody Plays. You are right. Ding, 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 ding. I knew it. Jody, shout out to Jody Plays for the I, comment. I knew it because I know her and she lives and breathes this and is she is she is the epitome of trauma-informed education. But what she is saying is true, and here is also why. Dr. Dan Siegel, we learned this from him that the whole name it to tame it, it's it's not just about um, a strategy that works. Naming the feelings actually releases neurotransmitters in your brain that soothe. So, you know, the oxytocin and the dopamine, they have to fight off the adrenaline and the cortisol that's released when there's danger, whether it's real or perceived. So giving it a name crosses the barriers of the brain and releases those neurotransmitters. It immediately soothes and comforts because it's self-validation. And when we go, you're right, say it out loud, call it out, write it. Whatever it is that you need to do to express that, we normalize it and give that kid back control because those feelings make them feel so out of control. They hijack the body. That adrenaline cortisol hijacks the body. So this is how you take control back is you say, I got you. I know what this is. You're trying to hijack me, but no, 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 I've got this. I know what I'm feeling. It's okay to feel it. I'm human. I can be mad. I have permission to, you know, I don't, I, I can be frustrated. I can be whatever I am. And that is how I feel. And now, you know, I can move on to what to do to go from there rather than getting stuck in that emotion. That's mm -hmm. what happens if we don't name it and vocalize it and share it out loud. I love what Joe Brummer says. And Joe has been a guest on this oh, podcast and is the author of Building a Trauma-Informed Restorative School. 
Um, he says, words are portals that transform us, including words for our feelings. Love is conversation. And that is it, right? Yeah. And amen. how often do we see kids shut down for expressing themselves? Um, and I'm going to be honest and transparent. How often do I do that to my own child? Because I'm not ready to receive it yeah. or hear it. And then I'm like, yeah. I can't do it today. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Why did I do that? Right. And this is human. No. It's it's us being human. And that rupture yeah. repair is so yes. that's the process of relationships. Yeah. We sometimes things rupture in relationships, whether that's with colleagues, whether that's with spouses, whether that's with yeah. our children, whether that's with anyone. And it's the repair where our where our relationships strengthen if yeah. we become vulnerable enough to go through the process. Yeah, that vulnerability is the key. But it will be that relationship will be so much stronger after it builds so much um, trust, you know, and and this work. Listen, this work is hard. Oh. I, I'm, I am not at all saying, oh, here's a strategy put it into place and life is going to be great. I mean, but we're living already. We're in the building already. We're struggling already. How is it working for us already? It's not, mm. it's not working. So I'm telling you as hard as this is, the payoff is just immense. You know, I put a graphic out. It's been, I don't know, I don't know, three or four or five weeks ago. I don't know. And it was, you know, something in the in the realm of I don't understand why adults don't understand why kids are so dysregulated. I mean, literally, they've gone through a pandemic, missed tons of school. Um, this was right after the Nashville uh, Covenant school shooting, oh, actually. And yeah. I'm like, they're literally worrying about being shot at school. They're they're the impact of social media, all these things. Like, I don't understand why as adults we haven't paused long enough to go. I mean, this is a, and I should be beep show, right? It, like it is really for our mm -hmm. kids. This is a completely different lived experience than any of us have ever had for sure. Yeah. And yet we just try to get back to normal. And Ginger, I think why we continue to see this perpetuation of things getting worse is this idea that we've got to do more of what we've always done to get back to where we were. And here's the thing. I believe this. We are never going to be able to go back. We no. cannot go back. Matter of fact, mm -hmm. the only thing to do is to move forward. And if we want to learn how to move forward, get Ginger's book and start looking <laughs> at those strategies yeah. because that's it. We know yeah. this. We've known this before the pandemic. Yeah. We believe it after the pandemic. Matter of fact, even more after the pandemic. Yeah. We can't no, do it, what we've it always done. It. it proved it. And yeah, it's not none of this trauma informed, trauma sensitive, trauma responsive healing centered child centered work is is like a fad or a trend it is so layered in proof through the neuroscience and and that was such a joy as i wrote the book because it was it was coming from me but it was just echoed and reinforced i had 110 um, citations and i had to cut out 100 more it's just the work is out there and it's so good and it's just it's it's beautiful and it works you know yeah it, it's work you know i was looking and dr dessa tells um dr Lori spoke at the atn last year and she put out a graphic this week i think about um coercive regulation instead of yeah. co-regulation and yeah. man did it make me think right like and, and I think that's really important because we're not co-regulating to get kids to do what we want them to do, right? No. We're co-regulating to teach them the processes of what to do for self-regulation by experiencing it in relation as a human being because we know we have that mere neurons and neuroconnectivity between ourselves that that's what it's about. And I, I loved when she produced that because I'm like... It's so true. It's the same as relationships, right? We weaponize yes. relationships. Yes. Well, if you have a good relationship, they'll do it. What they'll do what you want. Mm -hmm. What? Any, any coercive anything is short lived and it's shallow. It's it's not life. It's not long lasting and it's not healing. It's gonna do more damage. You know when we talk about those 
how to be trauma responsive and we have to avoid that re-traumatization, we do. And it's just, it's a fine line because I think it does, this work can get weaponized, but it is so not that it's having that trust in our body and ourselves and, you know, looking underneath that iceberg for the why that's how we heal. That's how we fix, not just managing symptoms and putting on a band-aid and, and stopping the behavior. That's not it at all. It's what is going on that help, encourages this child to fight, flight, freeze, faint, fawn, flock, all of the above. What is going on that's causing them to feel unsafe? That's, that's what we got to figure out. Yeah, and you know, I, I say this, and this has been like, this has been the the horse I've been riding on, right? The last, I don't know, year. We've got to quit acting like trauma is something that only happens outside of our schools. We have to, we got to quit pretending um, that it's in someone else's house, right? Yeah. Just like you and I were talking about how this work happens in our, our literal homes yeah. every day and how we mess up every day and, we have to start looking at internally right on what yeah. are we doing internally to co-regulate self-regulate yeah. and and ginger I, I think that our admin our school admin have to really start pushing a giant big old pause button and yeah. think about what am i doing what can we do so when uh, your publisher is ready for uh 15 minutes of trauma-informed leadership let me know. I have some friends, uh, James. Um, yeah. I think we could knock out a good book really quickly about how do principals yeah, co-regulate with, with staff and with students, right? Yeah. How do we co-regulate with adults, right? Because yeah. parents and community members, and again, this is thinking about a socio-ecological model. This is systems yeah. down to individuals and individuals up to systems. It is absolutely imperative that everyone that interacts has accessibility to knowledge and understanding of this and experiences it. You know, Jim, yes. Jim Spore leader, I asked him when he was the very first guest on this podcast way long ago. And the question I asked him is, what would you do differently if you did it again? And he mm -hmm. said, I would have treated my parents the same way I treated the students. But mm -hmm. I saw them as grown and I didn't have the same empathy for them as I did the kids. And boy, does that make so much sense yes. because you all, we have to co-regulate. We have to model yep. even for the parents who come in and are yes. dysregulated. Yes. 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 Relationship, relationship, relationship. You know, and I, I've, I was in a lot of situations where that was really hard. Yeah. Um, and yeah. one and interesting enough, he came, a parent came in to tell me what he was going to do to me, how he's going to do to me and how fast it was going to happen. Um, and I just listened and I basically said, it sounds like you're really frustrated. And he said, yeah. And he went off for a while. And I said, it actually sounds to me like you're, you feel hurt by what happened. And let me tell you, Ginger, it went from 1 million at a hundred. Yeah. What, what's boiling 212. He was at 211. And then he, he began to come way down to like 70 degrees in yeah. which that door opened and he began to tell me why he was so hurt. And it was all to do with his own school experience. Yes. That was yes. it. And yes. I just listened and we ended, he was a, he was a big dude. Um, and we hugged while we both cried because I felt his pain in my experience yeah. too. And I had to stand in a space of empathy yep. and understanding because I experienced some of the things he had experienced, but I had to show him that it was different. I was different and that yeah. we could go through this journey together. Uh, I remember my secretary go, I, I don't know what happened, Portel, but he went in yelling. He came out crying. I don't know what you did. And I said, I just showed up. That's it. Yeah. I just showed yeah. up yes. and we just have to show up. Yes. Because we want that for us. I want you to show up for me. I want somebody else to show up for me. And that's how we heal the kids. Relationship is built 
okay, as a therapist, I can meet with a kid an hour a week in an office, but that kid spends all his time at home and at school. So the relationships I need to be helping with, we all need to, is the teacher and the parent. That who is wrap, is wrapping around the kid. Whoever is in that kid's life, that's the relationship that needs to be healed. Then they will heal the child. So it does. It starts with us as the adults. Oh, my goodness. I mean, seriously, we only talked about the first thing on the list, Ginger, and it's already, I mean, we just went through the I still have a story. Oh, please tell your story. And listen, we didn't plan this, you all. I put this on. Um, it was the one closest that I grabbed. And Ginger yeah. was like, hold on, I get mine. And I realized we we're actually, what what we hashtagged at my school, cute and coordinated, is what we hashtagged anytime we wore the same thing. So cute. please tell this story because it's amazing. Okay. I was at the conference last year and got my T-shirt, my beloved T-shirt put it on and drove to the airport, went through security and got flagged. Yes. Because not only was I a disruptor, but I was unapologetic about it apparently. So much so that I wore it all, you know, in a bright red shirt. So I was pulled aside, (laughs) made it to second base with a PSA agent. Oh, and then they made you cover it up, right? Well, so then, so I, it took me a second. I mean, now looking back, I know exactly why they flagged me. Right. But at the time, I just thought I was lucky, right? And so then I get to the gate and I am just getting eyes yeah. being scared. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh my so I, I covered it up. You know, Ginger. I think it's so funny because you told me that story like right after it happened. And oh yeah, I'm not going to say the shirt, but I saw a young man wearing a shirt in the airport that was much more offensive than this. And his chest was stuck out high and he was, he was wearing it and owning it. And I was like, now if he can wear that, and I will tell you, I've worn this in the airport and I have not been flagged. So, I mean, maybe it's just you look suspicious. It could be. Yeah. Yeah, my kids kids always tell me I'm sus. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Well, I would say um, I don't get that vibe. But, you know, maybe I'm not a good reader of people. I don't know. But anyway, thank you for sharing that story. And you all... um, we do sell un- uh, unapologetic disruptor shirts. Um, usually, when we're at conferences or if I come and speak, I'll bring some. Um, I tried to sell them like online, and then I realized, oh my goodness, like packing them, getting to the post office, getting the right postage, it was just way too much. So I don't do that anymore. But hey, next year at the ATN conference, I'm sure I'll be there and I will be having my giant little rolly bag with packed full of t shirts. Um, yeah. So I know we're almost out of time, but please tell us about, um, you just got some big news about ATN and one of the speakers. Tell us a little bit about ATN before we go and the the dates and who's going to be speaking. Okay. The Attachment and Trauma Network does an annual Creating Trauma-Sensitive Schools Conference. So our eighth annual conference will be February 2024 over President's Day weekend. We have Uh, The first two days are in person in Dallas, and then the last two days are virtual, and our closing keynote speaker... Hold on. Drum roll. Yeah. Nadine Burke Harris. Ginger, let me tell you something. Oh. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how big it is, because I know how big it is, because... (laughs) Dr. Harris and I were on a podcast on separate, but the same podcast, it was a series. It hasn't even been released yet. Yo, this is so bad. I can't even believe I'm admitting it in public. Her <laughs> email address was on there and I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan and I did it. I shouldn't have done it, but I just checked to see how she was. And I invited her to the podcast and she said, because every, most people know she took a major pause after she was oh, the um, yeah. uh, surgeon general. She stepped yeah. back. She's like, breaks, no more anything. Yeah. 
So this is huge, you all. She hasn't, Dr. Nadine Burke hasn't done much of anything for a really long time. And I respect her for it because it was about her own self-care. Exactly. So like, this is huge. I mean, it is. I have a Nadine Burke Harris story in the book that you'll read because I have a major fangirl moment that happened to me too. She is and has been and always will be my hero. And so- Anyway, the conference is amazing every year, and it's going to be equally, if not more amazing in 2024. Right now we're taking proposals, so submit your proposal to speak. We're getting, we have other um, exciting speakers too that we'll be announcing soon, so stay tuned for that. And then listen to my podcast, Regulated and Relational. We have updates on that and just lots of good information. So lots of resources from the Attachment and Trauma Network. And they are great friends of ours. And I always love those collaborations and connections yeah. between the Trauma-Informed Educators Network and the ATN. And um, it, it's if you don't know about Attachment Trauma Network, check them out. And the work they're doing is amazing. And I always love being a part of it in whatever scope and, and way I can. At the end of the day, we're all just fellow disruptors trying to unite um, and change what's best for our kids and communities. So thank you. If you are interested in the book, it is in the chat. Um, if you are listening on, uh, not in the chat, this is not Zoom. It is in the comments if you're listening live. Um, if you are on the podcast, you can go to, you can purchase it on Amazon. It is Regulation and Co-Regulation, Accessible Neuroscience and Connection Strategies that Bring Calm in the Classroom, 15-Minute Focus Series. It is available on there. Please go and get it. Ginger, if people want to follow you and just what you're up to and all, where can they where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on social media, um, Ginger Spackman Healy on Facebook, Cedar City Ginger Snap on Insta, Ginger Healy on LinkedIn, Ginger Healy LCSW on Twitter, and then always just attach trauma.org for all things ATN related. Well, you all, this was a fast and furious, like I feel like we just started and and here we are already concluding, but thank you, Ginger, for being on here. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for this remarkable resource that I hope every listener will grab a hold of. Um, It's a great summer read because it literally will only take you a day and therefore your summer is available to go sit by the pool and do whatever it is that brings you joy. So this could be, you're like, oh, on my summer read list, the number one is Ginger's book because <laughs> you can knock it out of the park. So, all and right. We're doing, we're doing three book studies this summer for educators, for parents, for caregivers, child serving professionals. There is book studies. So, look for those too. So, check those book studies out. Join them, grab the book, and just have a conversation with friends. Speaking of conversations, don't forget that the second Tuesday of every month, we have the Trauma Informed Educators Network Global Gathering. Um, we have been three months in. Ginger hosted last time because I had to go out and meet some friends. Um, but we will be uh, meeting again next month in June. Um, there is no anything when you come in. It is just let's just come and chat and have fun yeah. and enjoy each other and connect to people from all over the globe. It is no stress. It is literally about connection. So I hope you'll join that. And as always, remember the Trauma Informed Educators Network uh, conference is coming up virtual. And if you want to register, you can get that 20% off for listening to the podcast by using the promo code, all lowercase letters, T-I-E-N podcast. And you can go to the uh, T-I-E network.org and go to uh, backslash T-I-E-N conference and register for that. Woo. Let me tell you right now. Woo. That was a lot. A mouthful. But anyway. If you want to follow me, you can follow us at Trauma Informed Educators Network on all the platforms. If you want to follow me, I'm Matthew Portell. And as always, please, please, please go out into the world and do something absolutely awesome.